Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Oh, what's up, everybody? Come on, let's give God a praise. Welcome again. My name is Joey. I'm the lead pastor here. I want to welcome all of our physical locations and those online. Real glad you're with us. And uh, it's week five of Here to Stay. One more week next week is of the public phase, and then we'll move into a different uh, topic of conversation. But I got a few housekeeping items to give you right now. They're important. Uh, before I can give you the God's word today, I got I to gotta run through this stuff. So please listen. Very important. First up is next week. Every Everybody say next week. Great. So next week, two things are happening. First of all, there is a kids pop-up fest at all locations that have kids ministry. This is a great week to bring your neighbors and your friends and obviously your children or your neighbor's children and their children and their children. And uh, it's going to be a great way because the kids are going to have so much fun. There's so much to do outside. They're going to enjoy. Don't miss that. All right. Don't, don't have your kids miss out on, on that opportunity. Great way to reach people. And then, uh, and then for the adults, uh, a little bit, uh, uh, equally exciting uh, for those who really love Jesus. Uh, it's Commitment Sunday. And uh, amen. Amen. So here's what's going to happen. You're not bringing a financial gift. You can continue your regular giving. But what we are bringing next week is we are bringing our here to stay commitment cards. If you're at a location, you'll see them on your seat. If you're online, you can go to our website, download it. You're delivering your here to stay commitment cards or you're filling it out in service. Uh, if you are not familiar with what Here to Stay is. This is a two-year campaign we've launched about five weeks ago. The goal is twofold. First of all, it is to uh, get us into some strategic properties throughout Philadelphia to buy. Uh, so we're here to stay, very important. And then secondly, weirdly, we see this as a discipleship, uh, discipleship program where you're hearing from God, and then we're also establishing, establishing ourselves long-term to reach the next generation. So that, that's what this is about. And so our first give to here to stay is not till December 4th. So continue your regular giving. All you're doing is delivering your here to stay commitment card next week. It's going to be a powerful day. It's one of those days where I'm asking everyone who calls the Block Church home to be at church. Please do all you can to be in the house next week. It would mean a lot to me and to your location pastors. It's one of those family days where we need to be here and be together. Everybody understand that if you do say yes. All right, very good. All right, so let's uh, quickly walk through uh, how this happens. We had Advanced Commitment Night, which was for our leaders. We're about one third of our way uh, with our commitments. So let's give God a praise. Our leaders committed. Uh, now it's your turn. How does that happen? I'm gonna show you our, our gift chart. Uh, gift chart is, is basically, it's over a two year period, we're attempting to, including our regular giving, uh, reach over 6 million. That would be a little over about two and a half million uh, additional dollars, all right? So how, how does that happen? Well, there's a bunch of different gifts. Maybe you find yourself in the middle or, or wherever it is. It's a two-year period to accomplish these gifts. My wife and I, on December 4th, we are delivering our stored assets, our cash. And then in January, we'll begin an additional monthly commitment on top of our regular tithes that we give. Does everybody got how that works? 
All right, and so, so find yourself somewhere. Some of us are gonna need to sell a vehicle. Some of us are gonna need to uh, maybe uh, give a, a stock, uh, maybe our crypto that's going away before it goes away, just kidding. Uh, some of us are, are gonna take a step and we're, we're, gonna, uh, we're going to uh, give some stored assets to, to accomplish this. W- whatever it is, we're listening to God's voice and then we are following him and he will take care of the rest, all right? So that, that's that's how this works. Uh, some ways that this could happen. Maybe you skip getting that iPhone 14 Max, which I hear it's not that great anyway. Uh, maybe you're getting a 5% raise and you sense, man, God is leading me uh, to give that 5% over the next two years. I don't know what God's speaking to you, but you got to listen to his voice. That's why this is a discipleship program. Uh, when you see something at the bottom, some of your, I want to go to our, our, our ladder, okay? I want to go to our ladder. So, so the, the whole goal of this is 100% participation. You're going to see today kids, some students are going to bring their offering. It's going to take everybody to accomplish this. But I just want you to understand something. If, if you've never given before and you decide to give $200, I'll do simple math, $100 a month for two years. Well, that's $2,400. If 30 people gave, you know, $2,400, okay, that's going to be upwards in a $60,000 range over two years. Well, guess what? That's going to cover utilities at a new facility. Do you understand that everybody participating is going to make a difference? Now, $100 is probably for, that might be a lot for somebody, but there's, there's two things. There's our safe giving and our sacrificial giving. Do not choose safe. Choose something. May it be sacrificial. Okay, so find yourself on that ladder. Maybe you're intentional. Maybe you give $100 a month now, but God's calling you to give a tithe, which is returning your first 10%. And those who are tithing, maybe God's saying, all right, time to be extravagant. Give above and beyond that. That's what my wife and I are doing. I wanna show you a commitment card that you'll fill out next week. Uh, This is John Doe. John lives at our offices. John is an intentional giver, gives $100 a month. But John is now gonna be a tither through here to stay, which is an additional $400 a month. That's $500 a month total, equaling $6,000 a year over two years. That's $12,000. But he's compelled and he's committed to give $5,000 cash for the insurance settlement he got. But he came to advanced commitment night and he's like, you know what? $5,000 isn't enough. God's compelling me. So you don't see it on the card, but he's going to give an additional $5,000, which takes us to $10,000, $22,000 over a two-year period. Do you see how that works? works. All right. So I've done it enough that I can do it that quickly. Isn't that amazing? All right. But again, not trying to get your money. We're trying to build God's house and it just takes resources to do it. Need everybody to be involved in this. All right. You're ready to hear God's word. Amen. Amen. Um, last thing that I will stay in regards to, uh, here to stay in, in these commitments, uh, is, um, is we want God to get the glory for all this. And he will when we trust him. All that I want, all that I want is for you to hear God's voice. It's not about reaching our goal. It's for you to be obedient to God. Does everybody understand that? Okay, so that's, that's important to me. All right, uh, here we go. Let's dive in. Before we do, I know we're talking about finances or in the lens of finances, so I need to open up with some laughter to break the ice. Saw this on, this was sent to me like 20 times this week, so here you go. On Instagram or Twitter or whatever, $1 trillion or 
10 minutes with Jesus. What are you choosing? I see this person chose a trillion because they said, I'm not worthy to be in his presence. <laughs> oh, amen, 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 amen. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Well, uh, I'll give you a pass if you have a trillion and uh, we'll get you in his presence after you give it. All right. So uh, my son and I, uh, we, well, I, I'm teaching him responsibility and uh, responsibility is a good thing. Would you agree with that? Of course. Um, you know, especially if you have kids, you don't want to raise kids that, that don't understand responsibility. Otherwise, they'll be horrible adults and it'll be your fault. And, and, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get some of the things that are happening in society today. Society today. And, so, uh, and so anyway, you can tell when somebody didn't have any responsibility growing up. You're like, I know, I'm dating them. It's awful. Uh, but, but anyway, so we have these three trash bins. It's uh, Maverick's responsibility to take one out, bring one back. Uh, the other day, uh, I, take, I took my two back and he wasn't outside yet. And when we got outside, he's like, this isn't fair. Why do I have to take, why do I have to take my trash bin back? You didn't do anything. I said, what? <laughs> and I see my neighbors like kind of watching us and I'm like, you're lucky, son. Because there would have been a few things that I would have taught you in this moment. But because our neighbors are watching, uh, uh, you're just going to take this up and not say a word about it. I said, I already took mine up. And he's like, oh, oh, oh. I said, bro, you know how you become your parents? And the things that are coming out of you, like, I haven't heard that since I was five years old. And somehow it's still right there going, you know, I'll, you know I brought you in. I'll take you out kind of stuff, you know. It's like... Uh, it's like, unbelievable. But you know, like, I don't care what it is. Like I'm trying to teach his responsibility to feed the dog. Dog doesn't eat. That's your problem. If the dog's barking, that's on you. Poor dog. dog our dog takes everything from our little, uh, from our one-year-old Jovi. He takes all their food. And, and I, I blame Maverick every time. I said, you didn't feed the dog today, did you? Well, now your sister can't eat, ma'am. So responsibility. Responsibility is a good thing. Uh, I think we, at times, we're, we're pretty good at being responsible for the things that keep us out of trouble, right? I mean, uh, for the most part, we'll, we'll pay our bills or, or hopefully we pay them on time or we'll be responsible to get up and go to work or, or we're responsible to put clothes on, which by the way, is a responsibility. Uh, we, we, we can do some of the majors, but one of the majors that I think we forget about is that Jesus actually asks us to be responsible for some things in our city. Oh, nobody, mm, nobody amen on that one. It was just, <sighs> you know, and I think as Christians, uh, we, we are, uh, we're good at singing songs. Or we're, we're good at reading Bible scriptures and declaring them and, but like there are some real things that God has called us to be responsible for. When, when you become a Christ follower, when you become a believer, when you put on that mantle of the kingdom over your shoulders and on your head, all of a sudden there is a soil that you put your feet on that you become responsible for. First to your house, then uh, to your neighbor, to your family, to your neighbor and to your city. 
And I wanna, I wanna remind us of some things that as believers, we are responsible for. If you're watching this message, you're not sure if you're a believer, uh, you're watching this message or, or listening to it, and you're like, I'm definitely not a believer. Well, good. This is some insight as to what we believe and know we are responsible for as Christians in the lens of our city. So I want to title this message today, Our City, Our Responsibility. Our City, Our Responsibility. Not your next door neighbors, not your friends, not the mayor or the government or anybody else. My city, our city, our responsibility. One of the values of our church is this, responsible owners. We love our city and church. Therefore, we accept the responsibility to serve, care for, and leave it better than we found it. Leave it better than we found it. Here to Stay is an initiative for us to leave our city better than we found it. So we will all die one day, okay? And somebody's coming up behind us. What is the legacy that you've left? You will move on from Philadelphia one day. You will get another job, not everybody. You will retire South, I don't know what it is for you or down the shore. You're leaving this soil. Did you leave it better than you found it? And if you didn't, or if you're not, that is a responsibility issue. You can complain about your city. You can post social media posts about your city. You can gripe and moan. Uh, you can complain about the government. And I'm not saying that constructive Communication isn't good. It's necessary. Calling people up to a standard, that's fine. But what I'm saying is, is don't just talk about it, be about it. Our city, our responsibility. As Christians, we don't just get to hide and complain. You left that behind when you went underwater and came up a new creation. I'm preaching to anybody today. I want to... Um, give you three things that I believe we're responsible for in regards to our city. Here's the first one. I believe we are responsible for the soul of our city, for its soul. I'm gonna springboard off a parable that Jesus told about building his kingdom on earth. It's, it's also a great example of the great banquet in heaven and in glory and the reward, if you will. So I'm gonna skip around. I'm gonna start at verse 14, or excuse me, verse 16 of Luke 14. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. By the way, the kingdom of God is always ready, open and available to you and those who are not yet in it. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I just bought a field. And I must go and see it. But they all, excuse me, excuse me. Another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. How do you try out oxen, by the way? I've been wondering that. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Verse 23, then the master told his servant, go. Somebody say go. 
go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Okay. Here's what we know. That there's a lot of people, problem today, it was a problem then. A lot of people said, yes, I'll be there. And then didn't show up when the time came. Do you know anybody like that? Have you ever invited anybody to a party like that? Have you ever invited anybody to an event like that and you bought the food, they didn't come, they never Venmoed you for what you bought them? Oh, that's just me. Okay. It's rude. Don't fake that you had this or that. Come on. Come on, we do that a lot. And in and, and, and the story, you see the same thing happening. Uh, I think what, what, what's, what's, what's taking place is people are giving excuses because when the rubber meets the road and it's time, we're actually not as responsible as we say we are. For instance, we sang a song. I think we sang it at all our locations. Build your church. Build your church. Build it from the ground up. Build your church. You were singing it too. I heard you. You were clapping and cheering. Build your church. Build your church. Build it from the... We sang it 3,000 times. And God's like, I know. I know. I hear you. I hear you. And then he's going, okay, let's do it together. And then you're like, oh, I can't. I bought some oxen. I can't. I... I got something going on. I, 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 I can't. I, I, I'm too busy right now. I, I, I can't. I, it's, it's, it's a, it's a recession. I, I, I can't. I, 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 it's too much sacrifice. It takes too much to be there. I can't. I just, I just started this new relationship, and man, this is the only person who will ever date me in the world. I just can't. And Jesus is gone, but I want my house full. I want my, I want my kingdom built. You know what Spurgeon, the great theologian said? He says, excuses are curses. It's only when you have no excuses left that your life begin, that hope begins. And that's so good. When it comes to here to stay, honestly, these excuses got to end because it's where hope begins when the excuses die. There's still going to be a feast and the master would not prepare a banquet in vain. Here's what Jesus says. He says, go compel them to come in, to fill my house because there are wanderers and outcasts that need to be convinced they are welcome. Compel them by love. And in Matthew, Jesus says in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your father in heaven. Luke 19, 10, for the son of man through us came to seek and save the lost. The point of all this is simple. You and I have a responsibility to fill the house. You and I have a responsibility to go invite, bring in, reach people who do not have a seat at the table. There's a lot of people that will reject God. We're seeing it in our culture like crazy today. There's a lot of people, but those who have received him, we should be going and seeking the people of peace, even if it's not those we expect to receive him. Go! The Bible says, compel them to come in. 
So our responsibility is to the soul of our city, but our city is dying and our souls are decaying. Will you go rescue? But let me pose a further question. How do we fill fill a house if we don't have one? How, How do we fill his house if from week to week or month to month or year to year, we don't know if we're gonna be here? This is why here to stay is so important because I have a responsibility to the soul of my city and I got to have a place where the doors are always open so his seats might be full. And just like you don't have to wait till December 4th to start giving, you don't have to wait for three weeks or four weeks or till we have a building to bring somebody to Jesus. Do it on the subway, do it in the, on the train, do, do, do it on the bus, do it at school, bring them to church with you next week. Are you with me so far? Have a responsibility to our city's soul. Here's the next one. We have a responsibility to the welfare of our city. It's welfare. In verse 12, the Bible says, then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they might invite you back and you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. All right, so Jesus is not saying to us, don't ever invite your friends. Don't ever invite your rich neighbors. Don't anybody got any of those? I don't. Okay. Anybody? Right? Don't ever invite. Don't, don't never throw a party for yourself. You know, he, he's not saying that. Uh, what he is saying is, is, is the kingdom of God isn't for clicks. I'll say it again. Uh, the kingdom of God Uh, isn't just for you. The church isn't just for you to come here and sit in the same seat and be real comfortable with the two people you've always known. No, the, the the kingdom of God and why we have things like block groups and block teams and Sunday gatherings, it's so that you intermingle with people that you don't normally get to know and learn somebody else's life. And the kingdom of God is for those who are sick. The kingdom of God is for those whose soul is not well. And when they get well, our city gets better. Our kingdom, the kingdom of God is for those who are rich and poor. The the kingdom of God is for those who are sick uh, in body. And it's it's also for those who are sick in the heart and in the minds. What Jesus is saying is, is, is when you invite people, when you bring in people, when you serve people that don't directly benefit you, you're actually acting like me because I say it, that it's better to give than it is to receive. I think what this passage is further bringing out is that you're going to re- be repaid for what you sow in the end. We're we're too worried. We're too worried about getting an ROI. We're we're too worried about getting an ROI uh, on earth. And and sometimes some of us, we actually, we give with the attitude of like, man, I'm I'm, I'm giving this, just kind of keeping my eye open. God, how are you going to bless this? And it's not wrong to believe that God's going to bless you. 
Because honestly, we should expect God's favor and his provision. But, but the further question is, is, is what Jesus is saying is, is, will you throw a party? Will you invest? Will you build a kingdom? Will you build a house? Will you invite people in? Will you serve your city in a way that even if you don't get repaid on earth, you're good with it because it was for me? That, that's the question. I'll pose you an even bigger question. And this one's gonna rub you the wrong way. But this is how you're gonna know where your heart is. What happens if you sow and you give, you, you skipped, you skipped, uh, you, you, you gave the money you saved for that new mortgage or, or, or you sold a vehicle or, or you, you gave that stock or, or you gave sacrificial over the next year. What happens if you do all that and you build a building, a lighthouse for your city and it doesn't directly benefit you? Well, what happens if you give $50,000 and when the building's built, God's like, hey, I've got a new assignment for you. I'm moving you to Utah. And you're like, God, I, I didn't even get to hang for the grand opening. Well, God's like, did you build it for you or did you, did you build it for the lame, the, the blind, the, the crippled, the hurting, the children? The, who, who are you building this for? And I'm not saying it's wrong. We got to build this thing. I, I'm, I, we're building this because I'm thinking about my kids. But honestly, at some point, like I said before, you're going to be dead and so am I one day. Or God's going to move you on or you're going to retire or you're going to get a new job or whatever it is. Somebody else, somewhere else is going to benefit from your seed in this season more than you will. Are you good with that? Because we're building the kingdom, not our kingdom. We're meeting the welfare of our city, not necessarily and not just our life. Now, will it benefit you? Yes. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 7, the prophet goes, hey, people of Israel, work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you in exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. So God is not a man who lies. God's going to get you back in all the good ways. I promise, I promise. But what he's saying, what the prophet is saying and what I believe Jesus is saying to us through this parable and what he's saying to us today is this, there's soil that I've put you in. Whether you like it or not, I've called you to be responsible for its souls and its welfare. You gotta build a house that I can fill. You gotta build a house that you can fill. And as you do it, as you seek the welfare of your soil, over time, it's going to change and it's going to get better. And over time, it's going to benefit you too. What's your motivation? Friends, I'm telling you, if we build these lighthouses in 10, 15, 20, 30 years, the stuff we're seeing, it's going to change. It's within our own power via the Holy Spirit to see some of this shift. Are you good with somebody else getting the benefit of God's voice of obedience to you? As I close, final thing that I believe we're responsible for is the children of our city. 
I wanna go to the beginning of this. We're out of the parable, but this is the beginning of the chapter. It says one Sabbath when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. They would call this dropsy where it was an abnormal accumulation of fluids and tissues of the body. It was gross. He was helpless. And, and so the Bible says Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? but they remained silent. They tried to trap Jesus, but he flipped the script on him. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Verse five, then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. Okay, the Sabbath is important. I hope you keep one. Okay, it's, 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 it's something that I think the experts in the law and really the Jewish people probably misunderstood the spirit of it. They thought that the God created the Sabbath for himself, but God created the Sabbath for you and I. So that we'd be rested so that we'd have the kind of peace so that we could work hard for six days. But Jesus is basically pointing out something. He's saying, he's saying, guys, we're doing a spiritual thing by Sabbathing. We're doing a spiritual thing by resting. However, if your kid is dying or you've lost your goats or your oxen or, or whatever it is, you're not that dumb where you're going to say it's the Sabbath. Best of luck, kid. Oh, there's my provision. There's my future. There's my lamb falling off the side. It's the Sabbath. God's going, you're missing the whole purpose and the whole spirit of it. He, he's comparing making a move on this day, doing something significant on this day to our children. If your kids, if our kids are in trouble, you're not just going to sit back in the name of religion. And they used this person who was sick with dropsy, they used him as a prop to trap Jesus. Do you know that our culture, our world, our government is constantly using our children and our students as a prop for an agenda? It's just true. And I, 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 I don't think God is very happy with this. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 19, 14, but Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like children. Basically, don't you dare stop children from coming to me. And you better have the kind of stupid faith that these kids got. Because that's the only way to see mountains move. Don't sing about it. Mountains are still being moved. Where's that childlike faith to throw away the safe gift and walk into the sacrificial gift? Where's that childlike faith that says, we're gonna build a house and we're gonna build a church where all the children can come to him. What Jesus is saying, friends, is it is always the right time to do the right thing. Friends, listen to me. In a lot of ways, our school system has failed our kids. 
In a lot of ways, our government has failed our kids. In a lot of ways, our culture has failed our kids. In a lot of ways, some of our family members have failed the next generation. In a lot of ways, social media has failed our kids. In a lot of ways, the drug culture has failed our kids. In a lot of ways, violence has failed our kids. Please, God, don't let it be us who fails our kids again and keeps them from getting to you. So what do we do? We build a house that lets the little children come to him. Because if we don't build it, we're blocking them. If, if we don't build a house that lets the little children come to Jesus, then what are we doing? We're not being responsible. And honestly, our responsibility to our children, that is the welfare of our city. That is the future soul of our city. Guys, we're going to build something that many of us won't fully see the benefits of, but we're doing it for him. Won't you do it with me? As I close, I said that already. Last weekend, I asked Maverick to pray with me. I was, we were taking a walk. I said, would you pray for church with me? And he's like, you go first. So I was like, all right, Lord, be with our, you know, our services and bring people who don't know you. And I'm just praying. And I can hear Maverick going, yes, Lord. Amen. And I'm like, dude, what? Like, where did you hear this? And the thing is, is like, he, he just, this is how I was thinking, this is how mom and dad pray. Mom's praying, God, touch people. Yes, God, yes, Lord. You can do it, God, in faith. And what, what I'm saying is I didn't teach him this, but he caught it. Because what we do to build God's house, they're gonna catch it. What we do with our lives, they're gonna catch it. We've got a responsibility to let the little children come to Jesus. Are we gonna be their vehicle? Are we gonna block them and continue to fail them like every other institution has? It can't happen that way in the church. And as we build these facilities, everything's gonna change. I believe that with all my heart. Do you believe that? Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.